This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. The, the songs were incredible, and I want to say thanks to these ones who stepped out, Maria in Spanish, and Frida sang in German, and then Wei Chin sang in Mandarin. And Pastor Stormy's going to preach in Swanese today, okay? So it will be good. It'll be interesting. We'll, we welcome all of you. I'm so glad you're here on Easter Sunday to celebrate what went on. If you need a Bible, would you get your hand up, and our ushers will get you one. Once you get that, we'll be in Matthew 16, Matthew 17, and Matthew 20 to start with, just briefly. And this will help some of you relax a little bit. I'm not going to speak very long today, okay? Probably two hours, and then we'll get out of no, it'll be just real brief here. You know, the, the death of Jesus was mentioned 175 times in the New Testament alone. But his death wasn't the end of the story. That was just the beginning. And so today we're going to highlight some of the things about his death and his resurrection and just some illustration the Lord's put on my heart that I believe will help every one of us. You know, when we think about what occurred in Jesus' life in the last week, A week ago Sunday was what we call Palm Sunday. And Jesus strolled into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people began to sing Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed as he has come in the name of the Lord. Monday it came around and that's when Jesus overturned the money changer's table. And he said in a sense, don't prostitute my house. And Tuesday came along and he, he taught the commandments, love the Lord thy God with all the heart, all the soul, and all the mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wednesday came, and his day is when the woman poured the the costly perfume on his feet. Thursday was the day that he partook of the uh, Lord's Supper with his disciples. And then briefly right here, we'll hit what took place on Friday. So begin with me here in Matthew 16, verse 21. From the time that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And the word must there, it indicates a divine necessity or a divine cause. He said he must go there. And Jesus knew his assignment when he came to earth. And so he said, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. And so Jesus begins to emphasize to his disciples what would take place, his death, but also his resurrection. Matthew 17, beginning in verse 22. Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. So again, Jesus emphasizes his death, but also his resurrection. And the reason his disciples were so sorrowful is they they didn't have understanding. What did all this mean that the Lord Jesus, who they had been with for over three years, that he was going to die, but then again, three days later, he would arise. And we go to the last reference in Matthew 20. Start with me in verse 17. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road, and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Now this was the third announcement of Jesus' suffering. 
But you'll find in the very next verse that he gets a lot more explicit with what will take place. So we read verse 19 and it says, And they will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock him, to ridicule him, to scourge him, to flog him, and to crucify him. And so Jesus begins to tell what would take place. And so on that Friday of Jesus' week, last week, he was crucified. The first day of his death. And then we jump into Saturday and the disciples were in great mourning. The second day of his death. What could all this mean? But I want to read the end of verse 19. And he said, and after the third day, he will rise again. And so Sunday was resurrection day. It was a dawning of a new day for all mankind. And Jesus' resurrection means that he obtained victory for every one of us. That that empty grave, it says victory for me and you. Actually, in Revelations 1.18, Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead. I died, but behold, or look and see, I am alive forevermore. And so Jesus is the Lord over the realm of death, and he's the Lord over the realm of life. Now, I want you to think about all this stuff that on three different occasions right there, Jesus told his disciples, I'll die. Not only did he tell them he would die, he told them how he would die. And not only did he tell them how he would die, he told them after three days, I'm going to rise again. And everything that Jesus told them would take place, it happened. The reason I want to highlight that today is the things that Jesus did for us and the things that Jesus talks about in his word, they've never changed. He's still the same Lord and Savior. He's still the King of Kings. And so we can celebrate this day. Now I want you to go to the first Easter Sunday that ever took place. And we begin in Mark chapter 16. Mark 16 and I I really want to highlight this because I, I believe this will teach me and you what Easter is really about. Jesus was always about people. It was always about men and women. So we begin in Mark 16, verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, and understand the Sabbath in Jewish culture, the Sabbath begins at sunset on Friday evening, and it ends at sunset on Saturday evening. So the Sabbath has passed, and Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, Salome, not Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. The bringing of the spices there, guys, would look very similar to us going to a grave site and putting flowers or some form of honor upon a grave. And so they're going to honor the Lord Jesus. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Now, even though that Jesus had promised all of them that he would rise from the dead on the third day, his followers either didn't believe that, or yet they were in such grief they had completely forgotten what he said. Verse 3, and they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Now remember, this was a group of ladies. 
And as they approached the tomb, this was a very, very dark day as it started out. Their hearts were broke. They were in mourning. And they come to the tomb and said, who will roll it away? Verse 4, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man, an angel, clothed in long white robes, sitting on the right hand, or on the right side, and they were alarmed. Now there's some theories that part of the issue here was these ladies got sidetracked. They forgot what tomb he really was in. You may buy that if it was one lady, but there was a group of them. Not every one of them would have forgotten. Number two, if this wasn't Jesus' tomb, what was that angel doing in there? And the third evidence was when the apostle Peter heard that Jesus had rose from the dead. It said he ran as fast as he could in Luke 24 to the tomb. And he went to the exact same tomb that the ladies went to. So it was the right tomb. It was the right place. Verse 6. But the angel said to the ladies, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And the angel emphasizes the evidence of the, re- the, of the resurrection. The angel said, he's risen. Verse 7. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. And if you'll note there, there was a special reference to Peter. You know why there was a special reference to Peter? Peter is the disciple who the Lord said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And so the reason that he specifically mentions Peter right here is the Lord is saying, I didn't abandon you and I didn't disown you. And if you're here this morning and you've denied Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, He hadn't abandoned you either. He's still got great plans for you. So they said, go and tell Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he has said. And if we study the scriptures on that line, he once again did exactly what he said. They caught up with him in Galilee. Verse 8. So they went out quickly and they fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed. And they had said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. They they couldn't understand what all this meant. Verse 9. Now when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, that first Sunday, that first resurrection Sunday, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene or Mary of Magdala. Now, this is where the story, the Easter story, really becomes alive to me. The first person that he comes across is a woman, Mary from Magdala. Keep reading what it says. Out of whom he had cast seven demons. This was a woman that didn't have seven demons in her because of holy living. She was full of the devil because a lifestyle of of wrong choices. But this is the story right here. 
that Jesus loved people so much, even the Mary Magdalene's of the world. And I want to highlight this this morning because that speaks hope to me. That should speak hope to you that Jesus didn't come for perfect people because there was no perfect people. And regardless of your past today, he wants you to come just as you are. He loves every one of us. And, and many of you in this room have a great sin background as I do myself. And again, it shows me that Jesus loves the sinner. He loves you today. And so when we read the passage of Mary Magdalene here, it's a heartwarming example of a woman who was lost, who was defeated, but yet her gratitude right here shows that Jesus set her free, that Jesus saved her, and that Jesus literally turned her life around. And I can witness of that. I can stand before you today and I can tell you in my own life, I believe with all my heart that if I wouldn't have given Jesus my heart, I would either be dead or I would be in prison. And many of you in this room will probably identify and say the same thing. So I can look and I say, he saved me. He set me free. And he's blessed my life incredibly. And I believe this is what Mary would say to us. She says, I'm an example of his redemptive power. I'm an example of his love. That he loved me while I was still a sinner. And he still loves you. And so it says there in verse 9, Now he rose early on the first of the week. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast out seven demons. She then went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they had heard that he was alive, had been seen by her, they did not believe. They could never grasp when Jesus said, but listen boys, I'm going to return in three days. But even though, just like Mary, they couldn't understand everything, they ultimately came to a place in their life where they believed. And you know why I know they believed? is because these 11 that were left, they ultimately died as martyrs for Jesus. They physically died as disciples of Christ. People don't die for a half-hearted cause. They died because they knew that everything that Jesus had said was real and it was alive. And I don't know about you this morning, but if it came down to me dying or denying Jesus, I choose to die. Why? I believe in his cause. This this isn't just some book. This is the inspired word of God. And we got to understand today that the Lord Jesus through the way Father God created us, He created every one of us fearfully and wonderfully and skillfully. And Jesus comes back into our heart and He changes us. Let me tell you a story here. And I'm going to end this morning with a couple stories that I believe will locate you but also help you. A year ago, my brother was in Egypt on a missions trip. They claim somewhere between 80 and 90% of Egypt is Muslim. But there's incredible revival in Egypt. They're coming by the thousands to be born again. And they say most of the revival is between the 18 and the 25-year-olds. 
So it's so hot over there in the summer, the people don't go out until after sunset. And so my brother goes to a restaurant, actually it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's finger licking good, even in Egypt, I guess. So he's there at one in the morning. And he said they had been instructed, be very careful who you share with that you're a Christian because your life could be in jeopardy. So they're standing in line and one of them has a cross on and a guy behind him looks and says, are you Christians? And my brother looks at the guy and responds and he said, yes, we are. So they get their meal and they go sit down and the guy gets his and ultimately he comes over and sits down by him. And he begins to share how he was raised Muslim. He said, that's all I knew my whole life. And he said, I became so radical that I was a jihadist. That he said, my goal was to kill anybody that denounced Allah or Muhammad. And he said, I've killed people. And he said, what began to bother me was when there were Christians that they would, I would threaten their life. He said, it didn't bother them. He said, it was as if like they had a peace on them. You know where I think that comes from? The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21, to live is for Christ, but to die is the gain. And so he began to say, I, I couldn't believe how Christians acted at the thought of dying. And he said, it bothered me so bad that one night in the middle of the night, I stood up, yelled out as loud as I could and said, Jesus, if you're real, appear to me. And he said, Jesus showed up just like this, showed him the nail prints. The man fell to his knees and he said, I believe. Jesus then took him on a little journey and he took him to heaven and he took him to hell. And he said, if you wouldn't receive me as Lord of your life, you would ultimately experience eternity in hell. He said, because you received me, you'll go to heaven. And he said, now here's what I want you to know. You go back to Egypt and you tell all your family members and you tell everybody that you know the truth or they'll experience eternal damnation. See, people don't go to heaven just because they were good people. People don't go to heaven just because they're bad people. We go to hell because we deny Jesus. And without hesitation, he looked at my brother and he said, I'll die as a martyr for Jesus. It wasn't just a cliche or a saying. This guy knew that ultimately I'm going to die for the name of Jesus. Why would that not bother people? Because we realize the significance. I'm going to live forevermore in heaven. And that's Jesus' desire for every one of us in the room. And the only thing that keeps me from that is if I deny him. And so when we look at this... The first Easter that we're talking about here lets us know that Jesus not only died for our sins, he rose for sinners. He rose for the Mary Magdalene's of the world, the ones that are sinners. He rose for the Peters that have denied him. See, maybe that describes your life today. And Jesus, he wants to take you from where you are to where you should be. And what I mean by that is I don't have to live in my past. I don't have to live a life of shame. I don't have to live a life of, of guilt. I can come before the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, take every bit of this. Help me. Let me give you one more story. 
There's a guy I've gotten to be real close with who lives in Clovis. Very humble man, very humble, incredibly humble. He played pro football for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he's a, he's a big guy about my size. Yeah, little faith. This guy has had numerous encounters with the Lord Jesus. He operates in the gift of discernment of spirits, which is found in 1 Corinthians 12. He sees angels, he sees Jesus. And I'm not talking about anything weird. I'm talking about when he starts talking about them, people begin to weep. Just get in the presence of God. Well, the last two weeks, just just here, in these last two weeks, he was taken to heaven on two different occasions. And he said, I've, I've never seen Jesus up till this point face to face. He said, I've seen the feet of Jesus and I've seen the hem of his garment, but I've never seen Jesus. So two weeks ago, the first occasion, he goes to heaven and he sees Jesus face to face. Now let me ask you something. If you were to experience Jesus face to face today, what would be your first response? Just a thought. You think about that a second. When Kelly saw Jesus, he drops to his knees. And he said, I I, I can't even look at him. And he said, I begin to weep. And the first thing out of his mouth, he said, Lord Jesus... I'm so sorry I disappointed you. When I heard him say that, it it tugged at my heart because I, I know in my life that would be the first thing I'd say. I'm sorry for all the times I've disappointed you. I'm sorry for all the times I let you down. And Kelly said there on his knees when he began to weep, he said he heard the Lord Jesus say twice, I believe, Kelly, Kelly. And he said it moved me so much that the Lord Jesus knew me by name. And he said if I had to die all over again for your sin, I would, but I don't have to. He said, I've paid the price for all the yuck in your life, all the hurt, all the shame, all the guilt. And then he said, and I'm not disappointed in you. And it became like to me this week, for all of us in this room, he's not disappointed in you. He's not mad at us. He's not a God of anger. And when we read the Easter story again, it's people that just came to him as they are. And I'm I'm not asking you today to change. I'm asking you to give your heart to the one who can change you. Jesus. I'm not talking about a bunch of religion, a bunch of rules. And you can't do this and you can't do that. If it was about rules, Mary Magdalene would have never been invited. Actually, Stormy Swan would have never been invited. 
But it's not about a bunch of rules and religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ where I can look at him face to face even today and say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my my, Lord of my life right now. This may date some of us, but the great man Billy Graham, he used to end most of his conventions, his conferences, with a song that said, just as I am. I come, Lord Jesus, just as I am. And Jesus doesn't want any of us to change. He says, come just as I am. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, he holds the future. He holds my future in the palm of his hand. And just because he lives, again today I can face tomorrow. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're in a place where you've denied Jesus. Maybe intentionally, maybe where you got where you said, is there even a God? Do you still still live? Because I'll be the first to tell you, we live in a crazy world. We live in a fallen world. But it doesn't change who he is. And I will tell you to this day, right now, that my life would crumble If I didn't have Jesus. I don't know how people make it right now without Jesus. But because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.